Thank you for listening to the Modesto Foursquare podcast. We hope that this message encourages and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Please know that you can always join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, 510 Bernie Street in Modesto. You can also find more information on our website at ModestoFoursquare.com. They're all alive this morning. All those donuts have helped. Everybody have lots of energy. I want to thank Linda Davis and Desiree for um, Quintero for setting up all of the snacks this morning. That was wonderful. And I think our very own James Hilburn said it best when he said, I love the noise in here because it speaks life, right? Church is not, it's not without mess, right? It's not without a little bit of donut on the floor and a little bit of chocolate that some kid wiped on the wall and kids running up and down the stairs and all those things, right? Where there's mess, there's life, right? Have you ever had a party at your house and you just, you look around, you're like, my place is thrashed right afterwards. I got a lot of dishes to do and my garbage is overflowing, but you know what? I had a good stinking time, right? That's what church is about. So thank you for doing life together this morning, and what a joy it is to celebrate the reality that our Savior, He didn't stay in the grave, right? He rose again on the third day. He didn't just come to live a perfect life on earth. He wasn't overwhelmed by death, but instead He conquered it once and for all time. Church, we don't serve a lifeless God, but one that is alive. We don't talk about a weak or feeble Savior We have a Jesus who is a risen king. This is the true heart of Easter for us this morning, that our Savior God came to earth, died on the cross as a remedy to the problem of sin once and for all time, right? He took the punishment of our failures. He carried the weight of our brokenness. And He took it to the cross. In His blood alone, He washed us as white as snow. He rescued us from the pit of darkness and brought us into the glorious light that only comes from Him. He redeemed us. He restored us to intimacy and right relationship with Himself. He made us right with our Maker for the very first time. And now we can experience the awesome joy of relationship with God. As Christians, we get to talk with Him. We get to be encouraged by Him. We get to be led into the marvelous plans that he has for our lives. We get to belong to the family of God. We no longer are alone, but we are united with Christ. Isn't that amazing? Because of our Savior, our sins no longer separate us from God. His sacrifice alone paid the price for our mistakes and our failures. And as awesome as the story of the work of the cross is, it doesn't end there, right? That's not the end of the story. Day one is not the end, not, neither is day two, but day three is the end of the story. It does not end with a Savior who was buried in a tomb. No, church, Jesus is not dead. He is alive. Christ has overcome the grave, and he is still active in our lives today. He is still working in our world. He is still rescuing humanity from sin and death. He is still welcoming his creation into salvation and resurrection from their own deadness. It's not a word, but deadness. Followers of Jesus don't serve a dead God. 
We serve a Lord and Savior that sits on a throne now and forevermore. Luke 24, verse 5 and 6 says it this way. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He, Jesus, is not here. He has risen, right? This is the heart of Easter Sunday, that God is alive and he is still on the move. He is on the move as much as he was when he was in the physical body 2,000 years ago. He is still active in our lives. He is working even in this place this morning. Many prayers and, and, and crying out to the Lord has happened for this to happen this morning. Right? Many people have spent time on their knees praying for you to be here this morning. To enter into the presence of God. To meet this Jesus that we're talking about. He is working in this place. And he wants to speak to us in little old Modesto on this Resurrection Sunday. Right? April 9th, 2023. I want to share a story with you. It's not on my notes. But my daughter, Simone, has been talking to us about Jesus. And yesterday afternoon at about 5 o'clock, we got to pray with her on our couch because she just wanted Jesus in her heart. And it was her. It wasn't me. In any, if any way, we, we probably should have circled around and had the conversation. But even if God does nothing this morning, and I, I know he has things for us, my Easter was yesterday with my daughter on, her, on our couch. And she told us, I just want to do whatever Jesus wants me to do. Right? Isn't that the heart that we have towards the Lord? Isn't that what God wants from us? To come to him with that childlike faith. Don't have to have it all figured out. Don't have to have all the answers to life, right? But we come to Jesus and he just welcomes us wherever we are, even as a four-year-old little girl in our living room, right? So if you have your Bible with you, uh, you can turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 24. Also, it'll be up on the screen behind me. Um, I tried to make the words big enough uh, for us, church. I know some people's eyesight's a little worse than others. So I aim to please. We're going to start reading this, this Easter story together in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. Verse 5. In their fright, the women bowed with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hand of sinners to be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they all told, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. Verse 10. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. However, Peter, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and went away, wondering to himself what had happened. And so this morning we see the story of, of um, a few of Jesus' disciples after his death on the cross. They were headed to the tomb where Christ lay to anoint him with spices and ointments that would preserve his physical body. I'm sure that they walked to the burial grounds with heavy hearts. 
These young ladies had seen their hope, their Savior, endure unbearable torture and punishment and humiliation on the cross. They saw their own brothers and sisters and family members turn on Jesus by pleading with the Roman officials to kill him by hanging his body on a tree. These women watched agonizingly as Christ took his final breath on the cross. These followers of Jesus probably felt defeated. They felt lost. They believed that he would never die. They thought that he would conquer the power of the Romans. They had expected that his message was going to play out very differently than it had a couple days earlier. They certainly did not think that Jesus would have ended up in this graveyard on this morning. But on their way to freshen up Christ's body, they, they were on their way doing this, and they approached the tomb. They saw that the large stone that covered the entrance of the cave where Jesus would, was buried had been rolled away. And I'm sure in that moment, these women probably thought that a grave robber had sacked the tomb. They couldn't believe that someone stole the rest of Jesus' belongings or that they were tampering with his body. This would have been brutally devastating for followers of his. Not only was Jesus dead, but now his body had been desecrated as well, right? Talk about kicking somebody while they're down, right? But this isn't what happened. It wasn't a grave robber who had taken Jesus. Nobody had taken his body. All of a sudden, we see angels appear to the women and explain what's really going on here. They say, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners to be crucified and on the third day raised again. What? How could it be? Jesus is alive, right? And this was all part of his plan. In fact, it all came to pass exactly how he said it would. And in the midst of listening to these angels, the scripture says that they remembered Jesus' words, right? Oh yeah, now I remember all those things that Jesus told us, right? For us, maybe we read the Gospels, we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we see, it shouldn't it have been obvious to them that Jesus was telling them these things and that it was going to happen this way, right? But when you're in the middle of something, sometimes you don't always see things so clearly. But I, I love that line where it says, yeah, it all came back to them. Jesus had said this right? Christ had told his disciples that he was going to die. He explained that his physical death was always going to be a part of the story. He had to lay his life down to atone for the sins of the world. This was his mission. This was his destiny. But his disciples also remember from the teachings of Jesus that his death could never hold him down. He was destined to be raised back to life on the third day, and Jesus kept his promise. He broke free from the grave. This is one thing I love about Christ. He is a truth teller, right? He does not tell lies. What God says, he will do, right? You can stand on that. You can take that check to the bank, right? It's not going to bounce, right, for all of us who still actually write checks, right? When he says something, he does it. Church, we don't have to wonder if God will come through for us. He always does, right? I'm sure that if we went around this room and we talked about, could you tell a story of God's faithfulness in your life? I'm sure we could have hundred, we could spend hours 
sitting with one another where God has told us something and then he completes it. Maybe not exactly how we want him to, right? Because God doesn't always work how we want him to. He does his own thing, right? Can you and I imagine the joy that would have come into these women's heart at this moment, right? You come to the tomb. You had shed many tears and faced so much disappointment. You had been mourning Jesus for the last couple of days. And you probably, before this had happened, you probably felt like you had wasted three years of your life walking around with this guy Jesus. You felt dumb. You felt duped. You felt abandoned. You felt alone. You felt without hope. You felt without purpose. All of these emotions probably would have flooded Jesus' disciples after they watched him breathe his last breath on the cross. But now you find out he's not dead. He's alive. This changes everything. And these disciples of Christ, they were obviously so excited. It says that they ran to tell the other Christians what had happened to Jesus. Guys, Jesus, he's not dead. I went to the tomb. He's not there. And angels, they met us. And they told us that that, that he rose from the dead just like he said he would. Right? And what are the 11 disciples and the others that are gathered? Yeah, let's go find Jesus. No. They say, this sounds like nonsense to us. They, They don't even get out of their chair. The only one who gets out of his chair is Peter. Right? And Peter runs to the tomb. And he sees that the stone has been rolled away. He sees, it says, the linens that Jesus was wrapped in. And even then, Peter doesn't believe. It says that Peter just pondered these things to himself. Peter was wondering about what had happened, right? And I wonder for us this morning, which role do we play in this story? Do we believe the account of Luke chapter 24? Do we believe the account of these women who met the angel at the tomb of Jesus? Or do we take the role of the 11 who would say, you know what, until I see it, I'm not going to believe it, right? Thomas even says in another passage, until I see the scars on his hands and see the scars on his feet, I won't believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. Do we believe that Christ overcame death for himself and for us? Do we believe that he is who he says he is, the savior of the universe? Do we believe that Jesus is real and has the power to change our lives? Are we the women in this story who embrace the wonder and mystery of God? Or are we the disciples who who won't believe it until we see it? John 20, verse 29, Jesus says, he says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. It can be hard to embrace a God that we can't see with our eyes, right? It can be difficult to believe a story that requires a miracle. Something that seems impossible, right? It can be challenging to have faith. It requires letting go of our human understanding. It asks of us to let go of the control of our own lives. It speaks of trusting in a Savior that we can't see with our eyes. It's difficult to embrace the story of Jesus even for a pastor like me. Faith is hard. Trust is hard. Let's be honest, church. But what's easy for me to understand and believe is what God has done in my life, right? 
What's easy for me to understand and believe is that as I've surrendered to follow Jesus, God has given me life. He has poured out joy in me. He has delivered me from sin. He has been my rock in the middle of the storms. He has taught me to be loving where my natural nature is not to be that way. He has made me care about other people more than I care about myself. He has saved me. He has rescued me. Christ and his salvation has changed everything about my life. I was lost and broken. I was without hope. I was selfish. I was unhappy. I was purposeless. And I was alone. But in that space, Christ met me and he saved me me. And I'm sure that I could go around this room and we could again tell stories of what God has done in our lives. And you would say, you know what? Faith is hard. It's hard to believe the God of the Bible until you meet him face to face and he starts peeling away all this junk in your life and everything begins to change. And then you say, you know what? I believe the testimony of what God has done in me, right? I can stand upon that. How many of us this morning would say Christ has truly changed everything about our lives. The book of Romans describes it this way in chapter 10, verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? Everybody. Nobody's excluded. You don't get excluded based on how much money you make. You don't get excluded by the color of your skin. You don't get excluded by what area of the world that you grow up in. You don't get excluded by what part of town, whether what side of the tracks you live on or what kind of pickup truck you drive. You don't get excluded by anything. All of us are invited to the table. All of us are invited to receive Jesus into our lives. All of us are invited to be a part of the family of God. All of us are invited to spend eternity with Jesus. And all we have to do is call on the name of Jesus. And what I'm talking about isn't just about heaven, church. Yes, if we say yes to Jesus, we get to go to heaven. But God wants to give us life right here, right now on earth. He wants to save us here. And yeah, I I love to tell folks in our congregation that aren't you glad that one day we're going to get a new one of these, a new body, right? Heaven's going to be great, right? But, But I don't want to just live in the misery of earth to wait to get to heaven. Jesus saves us for now and for all time, right? Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says it this way, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. When we surrender to Jesus, we get to experience new life in him right here, right now. We get to experience joy and purpose and hope and direction, we find life for the very first time, right? Our eyes, Scripture talks about our eyes being opened to see things for the very first time, right? Romans eight eleven says it this way, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in you. In you. When we come to know Jesus, the very Spirit of God comes and dwells inside of us. We don't go anywhere without God for the rest of our lives. He is with us and He is for us. We are united with Christ. We are never alone again. We are given a new lease on life. We are given 
the Spirit of God to direct and guide us. We are forgiven from all of our old failures and mistakes and all the ones we're going to make in the future, right? We become alive spiritually for the very first time. This is the life of a Christian. It isn't about being perfect. It isn't about never messing up again. It isn't about going to a church service. It is, it's about knowing God and being known by him. It's about entering into a relationship with Jesus. It's about resting and centering our lives in his vast and overwhelming love for us. It's about receiving the gift of freedom from our sins and our failures. The gift that we could never earn nor deserve. It's about walking with a God who is not dead, but who is alive. Jesus is alive, church, and he's on the move right here, right now, right in this space, all over our city, all over our world. He is not dead. Just because darkness continues to get darker doesn't mean that Jesus is not alive, right? The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of us, right? I'm going to have the worship team come back up and lead us in one last song together and want to ask us a few questions as we, as we kind of wrap things this morning. Partially because I don't believe that Christianity is a spectator sport, right? It's not about coming and watching somebody talk up front. It's, it requires us all to play a part, right? So the questions I have for us this morning are, what happens if we let go and let God in? Will we keep trying to figure out life on our own, or will we let the all-powerful Savior rescue us from our brokenness, brokenness and bring us in to true life? Will we allow God to make us alive for the very first time this morning? Will we receive the free gift of knowing Jesus and his salvation for us? This doesn't require us having together. It doesn't require perfection. It only requires surrender this morning. It, all it asks of us to say, God, my life isn't working without you. I need you. That's all, that's all it requires of us. Christianity is based on the reality that we need God. That without him we are lost, but with him we have fullness of joy. That's it. When we let God in, he changes everything and he changes it for the better. Again, ask anyone in this room who's known Jesus for more than five minutes and they would say that their life is better with Jesus in it. He makes us complete. He makes us alive. That's what we're talking about on Easter Sunday. I'm going to ask us to close our eyes for a moment and give us an opportunity to respond. If there's anyone in this room today who has not met Jesus, who's not said yes to him and brought into this eternal life, and you would like to know him this morning. You just want to say yes to Jesus. Just ask that you raise your hand. I want to pray over you this morning. Anybody this morning? All right, I'm going to pray over us.